what Peter's going to show us in 1 Peter 1 today is the filters that he wants us to run our life through to live a pure life in this polluted world. So how many of y'all think God's behind this message? Everybody think what you're about to hear, it ain't me. Dude, I don't even know what I'm going to say yet. All right. I'm just telling you, I got my outline. I got it. But I've been praying the Holy Spirit and some of my prayer warriors have been praying the Holy Spirit would take it. But look what God lined up. Is there any possible way you can like tie a, a filtration bucket into today's message? And I'm like, dude, <laughs> all right. And so I can't wait to hear what God's going to do. So Dustin, will you kick us off and tell us about your filtration bucket real quick? Yeah, cool. So, um, well, we started out um, trying to figure out like a way that we can kind of filter the water because that's one of the issues that um, the Haitians kind of face. And if they're blessed with it, they have a river or a lake. And JJ was saying, you know, some of them only just have a puddle, um, which is super unfortunate. And, you know, that's what they are. I I guess that's what they want to drink because it's water. That's water to them. They don't know the difference between it. So um, I kind of went online and was thinking about like what I can kind of make for them that would be fast and um, would filter this water. And so um, what I did is I went to the most stagnant pond in Florida and I got all this water right here. And um, so I created this like filter that's basically like the first stage of your, um, like your refrigerator water that comes out. So um, it's a ceramic filter and it filters out pretty much all the bacteria. The only thing it doesn't kill is the viruses. So um, what people would typically do is they would boil the water, um, but we've provided these things called Aquatabs and they're basically water purification tablets that you can put inside of it. Um, but the problem with that is you drop them in and there's still all the particles in it. So um, what I've done is I've created this system and I'll kind of pour some dirty water into it and at the end of the service, people can actually try it. Um, so what I've done, so this If you is, sign a waiver first. <laughs> this is your dirty water and here's, here's what it looks like afterwards. Yeah. Cool. So... Um, yeah, so what I've done is, here, let me put this down for a minute. So this process takes about like two hours for the, all the water to go through it and to drain through. So as long as they keep um, refilling this, it, it, it's not going to overflow or anything on them because every ounce counts. Um, but at the end of it, um, this water technically is, an, uh, I guess, pure enough or clean enough for them to shower and wash their face for hygiene, something that they don't always get. So the water purification tablets will kind of just clean it all out. Um, but this is for, um, I think, about $28. Everything was put together, and this will provide 1,000 gallons um, of fresh water. So I figured that was like a good way to, to filter this water um, without costing an arm and a leg because the water filtration tablets are pretty expensive, and you do have to put a lot, of, a lot in them if you don't filter the water prior to. So, yeah. Cool. All right. <laughs> hey, so uh, way to use your gifts for... Uh, no, we're good right there. Because uh, at the end, it'll be kind of like a Lord's Supper thing, and you all just come by, and I'll have the spigot open. No. <laughs> You're like, you said two hours. No, it won't be that long. All right. So anyways, uh, yeah, I just thought that was kind of cool because um, this is another way to use, God, use the gifts that God's given you. His mom said, Dustin, you just got this master's degree in, you know, biology and whatever, you know, marine biology, make something. And so there it is. And there's a lot of different things out there. But man, what a great idea so that each home can filter water if they need it. Now, most people kind of think about filtration 
like, you know, who don't think about filtration. They think of it as like just one stage. You pour something in and the water comes out and it's, and it's pure, it's good. And that's not really the way it works. There's at least three parts to a good water filtration. And you're going to see in spiritual filtration, there's going to be many parts in this. So there's more than one. Uh, first, usually you think about mechanical filtration. So if you were stuck out in the woods or you were stuck somewhere, man, and you just took river water, you know, full of like algae and whatever, you know, the first part is mechanical filtration. You could take your underwear, your sock, your, you know, your shirt, whatever. What are you thinking? If you were thirsty, dude, you'd use your underwear. I'm serious. You'd give it an earthy flavor, but um, to your water, but you're going to take care of that later. So you've got, you've got some kind of material, some kind of filter that's going to filter chunks out, right? And then the water comes out and it actually looks okay. But let me ask you a question. Once the water gets mechanically filtered, you filter the chunks out, is it okay? Boston, would you be drinking it? No, because actually, dude, the, the, the next part is usually biological filtration. You got to put something in there to kill the living organisms that like to make a table for two in your lower intestines. And, uh, and they don't like to leave either. So they're there, and that's when people come home and they're really sick because they didn't eat, drink filtered water. You could filter and it looks good, but if you don't kill the living organisms that are going to damage your body, then, man, you're in big trouble. So there's mechanical filtration, there's biological filtration, and in fact, in my bag here, you guys might wonder what's in my bag. I have all kinds of things in my bag. You could drop me in New York City or a swamp out in west of town, and I can survive out of that bag. I do, believe it or not, have a little straw. I have a little straw you can buy for 20 bucks at Walmart, and you can stick, it's a, the littler one because it does more, and you can suck water right out of a lake and not get sick. But how many of y'all like the taste of lake water? Anybody? So, oh, you do Zolti? Only Gary in Lake Water, right? <laughs> but, so you have mechanical filtration, which it does. Biological filtration, what it does is it takes out all the bad, bad, the bad things that are going to hurt you. But there's another kind of filtration called chemical filtration. And carbon is usually used for that. How many of you have a carbon filter of some sort? Yeah. And what that does is it takes the flavor out and gives it a better flavor. Most people only care about the mechanical. How many of y'all like to have chunks of stuff in your water? Anybody? <laughs> Usually it's floating around and it's frozen water. That's as chunky as you guys get in your water, right? So you filter it mechanically and then most people are like, as long as it tastes good, good. But the most important is that biological filtration. You gotta get rid of the stuff that's gonna hurt you. And so as we finish up chapter one in 1 Peter, which we started a few weeks ago, uh, that's just how God showed me. He said, man, I want you, you know what? You guys are persecuted. He's talking, Peter's writing to the persecuted people that are all over Asia Minor, where John actually wrote his uh, letter to the seven churches. It's all up there. They're being persecuted. Nero's a madman. It, things are getting ready to happen bad and all of that. And he's, he's trying to help them see life from God's perspective. And he's saying, I know you got some tough things going on in life right now. How many of y'all have some tough things going on in life right now? Anybody? Anything? Yeah. And so, so what he wants you to do is he wants you to pour your life into his filter and filter it through <laughs> these spiritual things. And when we pour the dirty water in here, what comes out the other end? Pure water. And it's refreshing. Can you believe there is a possibility that the junk going on in your life right now can end up one day being refreshing? That's the reason God's got it there. It is to become refreshing. But if you just drink it straight out of the pond, how refreshing is that? 
It depends how thirsty you are. And there's a lot of people in the world really thirsty and they're drinking pond water and they're temporarily refreshed, but they're sick to their stomach because of the consequences of how they've been living. You see that in society? You live according to society's rules and, 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 and you, do the, you make the wrong decision so often because the short-term consequence is good, right? Dude, I need a new car. My car's a beater. My car's falling apart. And then you find some dude who'll sell you a car that you can't afford. You drive off the lot. Was that the right or wrong decision? I can't afford the car, so is it the right or wrong decision? Wrong decision. But is it good? Yes, dude, I have air conditioning. Hey, honey, you want to ride with me? We have air. Oh, you know, it's raining and it doesn't leak. You know, here, dude, it's awesome. But what happens down the road when I have to make that payment? It's now bad. And that's life. Most of the time, when you make the right decision, it's hard at first. I'm going to drive off that lot with my beater, and I'm just going to keep going. It's hard. But in the future, guess what? I don't have. I don't have a car payment. And again, I'm just using that as an example. You know, in, first, uh, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, 8, 9, I'm not even preaching on this. So this is a little lanyap for y'all. How many of y'all know what lanyap is? Anybody know what lanyap is? Everybody say lanyap. Dude, come on, man. Say lanyap with a smile, bro. Lanyap. You're going to love this word, lanyap, because you know what it is? It's just it's a little bit extra. It's like, man, you know, like at Joy's Ice Cream, man, my Joy's Ice Cream buddy's here. At Joy's Ice Cream, dude, when you order a single scoop, they put not one, but two. They give you some lanyap, man. You get that third scoop that's the, of that peanut butter crunch. That's lanyap. So what you're getting is a little lanyap. In Galatians 6, verse 7, 8, and 9, uh, Paul saying to him, he said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he'll also reap. You sow according to the flesh, you reap corruption. You sow according to the spirit, you reap life everlasting. I promise you, I was not going to preach on this today, but the Holy Spirit has just given this to me for you guys, for me right now. And so he says, be not deceived. God's not mocked. There is a right and a wrong decision with every decision we make, Period. There is a, there's, you know, we talk about gray areas all the time. You know what gray areas where we take the right decision and we add a little bit of ourself in it. How much black do you have to put in white to make it gray? Not much. Not much. And the more you put in, the darker it is. And we're like, oh, this is a gray area. You know what? There are some gray areas in life, but you know what most gray areas are? They're an area where we know what we're supposed to do, but we don't want to do it. We add a little bit of something to it. So be not deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's he's going to reap. Be not deceived. God's not mocked. If it was wrong before, it's going to be wrong now. If it's right before, it's going to be right now. If it's based on what God wants you to do right now, and if it's a principle in his word, there, it doesn't matter what society says about it. It's wrong or it's right, period. Be not deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. Hey, what does sowing mean? <laughs> what it, Nate, what does it mean to sow something? Whatever he sows, that he'll reap. And I'm picking on you young guys because most of y'all young people don't even know what sowing is. You think, well, that's what my mom did. On, you know, Yeah, it, it's planting. So whatever you plant, that's what you're going to grow. Hey, Chris, Della Barrara. I just wanted to say that name, man. Did I say that right? Della Barrara. Uh, Chris, man, um, if you sow watermelon seeds, what are you going to grow? Can you get ticked off that you didn't get string beans? No, whatever you sow, that you're going to reap. Whatever seed you plant, that's what you're going to grow, he says. So he says, if you sow according to the flesh, if you plant what you want to grow, you plant, you plant your own seeds. I want to do this, but God wants me to do this. And you plant seeds to do what you want to do. 
He said, you're going to reap corruption. That word corruption in the Greek is talking about rust. It's not talking about instant corrosion, you know, sticking something in acid right away, and, you know, baking soda and vinegar. It's not talking. It's talking about eventual rust. You know, Adam, you ever leave something in your truck, leave something outside and it got rusty? Where's your brother at? Over, oh, there he is. Yeah. Hey, you have fishing gear, right? What do you do with your fishing gear when you get home from fishing in the salt water? You rinse it off. Why? So you don't get crud on it. What happens if you never rinse it off? Gary, what happens if you never rinse it off? You'll never use it again. But instantly, is it good the next day still? Sometime. What about two hours later? Yeah, but eventually. In other words, this corruption is a process, not an instant thing that happens. And so he says, when you sow according to the flesh, meaning you do what you want to do and not what God wants you to do, he said, you reap this corruption, this process, where slowly but surely things are going to die. Things are going to fall apart. Things are going to get corroded. He said, but if you sow according to the Spirit, and that's sowing according to what? Who wants you to do? God wants you to do what He wants you to do. He says, you reap what? Anybody know the verse? Life everlasting. That's a qu- not just a quantity of life. It's a quality life. How many of you are glad that everlasting life is a quality of life and not a quantity? Anybody? How many of y'all want to live? Colleen, you've taken great care of your body for this long, but would you like to live 4 million years in this body? Heck no. I don't want to. This is what 56 years will do to a body. Right here, dude. Y'all young people are laughing, man. You ever look at pictures of your parents? You're like, dang, what happened to you? You guys used to be hot. (laughs) I was like, who are these people? Right? This is what corruption does, man. And, and, and so, so he says, we're going to reap everlasting life, life everlasting, which is not a quantity, but it's a quality we can experience every time we make the right decision once we're born again. And then he goes on, he says, so be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he'll also reap. You sow according to the flesh, you reap life corruption. You sow according to the spirit, you reap life everlasting. And he says, but don't grow weary. Don't get tired of doing the right thing. Any of y'all ever get tired of doing the right thing? Yeah. Don't get tired of doing the right thing because in due time, you're going to reap. You're going to reap a good crop. He promises that. So here's the point of all of that. You've seen my little chart before. How many of y'all have my little chart written down somewhere? You've seen my chart? Anybody? Yep. Okay, good, good, good. And if you want it, I'll do it later. But the idea is that in life, you have decisions. With every decision, you've got a right decision and a wrong decision. With every right and wrong decision, there is a short-term consequence and a long-term consequence. And when you make the wrong decision, the short-term consequence is usually what? Usually good. But the long-term consequence is that corruption and rust and it's bad. It catches up. And you're like, oh, that's all right. I'm just going to catch up. I'll catch up. I'll catch up. It'll be okay. But man, how many of y'all have ever been buried by long-term consequences? When they, you made so many bad short terms, living that good life, quote unquote, according to the world, and that finally the consequences caught up. And now you're bailing, saying, God, help me. And God wants to help you. He says, start making the right decisions. So you've got all these bad short-term consequences, right? Or long-term consequences. But now you start making the right decision. All of a sudden, your short-term consequences are what usually? Bad. Don't go in debt. Don't do this wrong thing. Don't do those. Basically, whenever we make the right decision, again, he said, if you reap, so according to the spirit, you reap life everlasting. When, 
we do the right thing, often it takes some guts. How many of y'all, y'all ever have to make a decision and it wasn't a popular decision, but it's the one God wanted you to make? And you had bad short-term consequences? Maybe someone didn't want to hang out with you. Maybe, maybe it just wasn't a popular thing to do. Maybe it wasn't, you didn't even get to do what you want to do, but you knew you needed to do what God wanted you to do. How many have ever followed God and initially it was like, this stinks? Anybody? Yeah. Nine times out of ten, it's that way. But you trust him because he said in the culmination of the only message he really preached in Matthew 6, he said, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added to you. So you do the right thing, even though it stinks right now. He said, just do it. It's going to work out. You're going to reap life everlasting. And he says what's going to happen is your long-term consequence is going to be a good one. I bet everyone you have examples of where you made the hard decision to do it God's way, but you did it God's way, and you look back now and you're grateful. Anybody grateful you did it God's way? Yeah. But when you start turning over a new leaf, you've got your bad long-term consequences, and now you all of a sudden start getting bad short-term consequences. That's why he says, don't give up, man. That's the toughest part of life right there, flipping over a new leaf. Don't give up. In due time, you're going to reap a good crop. That's a little lanyard for y'all. I ain't even got into the message yet, but that's what Peter's telling them. He said, dude, what's going on in your life right now is tough. You're persecuted. Yes, Nero is fixing to start using you guys as torches in garden parties. He's fixing to take your precious wives and children and turn them loose. And, and these immoral heathens are going to be betting on how long it takes for an animal to catch them and eat them. Yeah, it's going to be rough. It's going to be tough. But man, he said, do the right thing because in the long run, it's going to work out. I want, to, I want you to filter your life and every situation through these things. And he starts out by saying this. He says, filter your life through God's providence. How many of y'all think you're an accident? <laughs> you know, I, I do hear some people say, uh, I, heard, I can't even think. If I could think of who you were, I'd pick you out right now. But I've heard a few of y'all say, you know, oh, yeah, I got a brother, sister, and then there's a break. And I was an oops. How many of you heard somebody refer to somebody as an oops? Does God make oopses? No, ask anybody who's ever tried to conceive and couldn't if God makes oopses, man. No, dude. The only reason a baby is born is because God has ordained that baby. It may be not when you want it to happen, but, but it's exactly what God wanted in here. And so everything is by God's design. God's got a plan. You filter life through God's providence. Is there any accident you're alive in 2020? How many of y'all, if you could go back and choose any year to be alive, would say, dude, 2020, yeah, <laughs> I, I want to be part of quarantine. I want to be, I mean, really, isn't there jokes about 2020 and everything? But is there any accident? And we're not even done yet. <laughs> dude, we're just getting ready to hit the, hit the, the, the downhill part, I think, man. It's going to get exciting, don't you think? How many of y'all are excited for the rest of 2020? Yeah, when you see it from God's perspective, dude. When you see it from yours, you're going, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> but from God's. Is there any accident? Any accident? You're alive right now. Is there any accident you have a desire for God right now like you have a desire? Is there any accident you are in the place you're in, the, the, the workspace you're in, the neighborhood, the ministry, the anything you're in? No. So you filter it first through the fact of, oh my goodness, if I could just be somewhere else. Anybody ever thought that? 
If I could just have another job. Anybody ever thought that? If I could just live somewhere else. If I could just have a different spouse. Don't say that if you were on here. I'm just saying. How many of you ever said before to yourself, if I could just have a different blank, everything would be okay? Anybody been there? Filter it through His providence. It is there by His design. And he goes in the first part and he says, we have what everyone has been waiting for in the whole Old Testament. From the Old Testament prophets to the angels right now. You know what, right now, John? Angels are looking down and they're, and they're amazed watching you go through salvation. And they're watching you go through salvation. And you, dude, and Bob, they're like, look at the grin on that guy's face. How long have you been saved now? Dude, we went to the zoo last week. And last time we went to the zoo is when I met you. <laughs> No, on the road to the zoo when my racks flew off the car. I didn't meet him at the zoo. <laughs> but, yeah, dude. It's like, man, was it any accident? You guys were on the road right behind me when all six boards flew off with the racks and didn't hit you or anybody else and landed right side up. Like you said, is this a sign? I'm like, it is if you read it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What an awesome thing. Nothing is an accident. It's all by God's design. And the angels are even looking down saying, whoa. We've lived with God for, since we've been created, way longer than anyone. Man, and we're amazed by everything we see with God. But one of the most amazing things we see is salvation, because we'll never get to experience it. They're, what, they're learning about salvation as they go through you. You say, where do you get such a thing as that? I get it from Scripture. Watch this. But first, look, filter life through God's providence. We have what everyone's been waiting for. And he has you here now for such a time as this. You have a purpose here now for this time. There is no accident. This is where you are. Look at this. So Peter goes on to encourage him. He said, first filter I want you to do is through God's providence. Notice, I, as a master of the lampstand, I could put the lamp anywhere I chose to put it. But I chose to put your lamp at Amazon. I chose to put yours as a troll under a bridge. <laughs> I don't know who you... I know you try to hide, right? He works on bridges, but, you know, I put yours in the public school system. I put, I don't even know where yours is, Ryan, but I'm just saying, Ryan, I put, tell me God didn't just move you into landscaping where you're telling me you get to share the gospel more than you've ever gotten to share it. Yeah, he's put you there. Man, did I kick that over? No. Oh, it was leaking. I was going to say, Whoa. all right. So, man, it's this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. Do you understand that you cut the Bible anywhere it bleeds? Do you understand that the Bible's not about you? The Bible's about Jesus. Big difference, because when it's about us, like, what do I get out of this? What do I get? What's in here for me? Dude, when you just find out it's all about Jesus and you read in that light, you fall in love with Jesus. And then everything's awesome. There's a big difference going at it either way. Fall in love. Try to see Christ in it all. They were prophesying stuff. They're like, dude, all right, so I know this little bit has to do with what's going on right now with Israel, but dude, I know this other stuff is about something else. They, they, they knew there was going to be a suffering servant, a suffering savior, but they also knew he was been the king of the world. And, and they... They just didn't know. They, they, they didn't know how it all went together. It's like two mountain peaks, a suffering servant and a king who was going to run everything. They just didn't understand the valley of we're in right now, which is the church age. And so, man, it says they desired, they studied, 
They, it drove them nuts trying to figure more out about the salvation that was prepared for you that you're enjoying. How many of y'all have salvation that you're enjoying right now? Dude, the prophets were, they, they would love to have been able to understand what you understand about this. Look at this. They wondered at time, or uh, uh, they wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about. So right here is evidence that the Old Testament, which is all Peter had at the time, by the way, when he wrote this, but there's evidence there that the Old Testament is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah, so a lot of folks say, oh, we don't, I live in the New Testament. Dude, you better live in the Old Testament too. It's all about Jesus. What a beautiful picture in all of that. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was, walk, was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. They didn't understand because they just couldn't figure out that church age in the middle. And I'm not sure we got to figure it out either. But I'll tell you the secret. The secret is to make disciples. Amen? Make disciples. That's it. <laughs> make disciples. And so it says they were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. Do you see that? God was writing that Old Testament so that you could read their prophecies and, and, and appreciate what you have and realize what, a, what an awesome honor it is to be alive right now. Looking back to the cross to say, yeah, man, we have a Savior. They had to look forward to the cross saying, God's going to provide a Savior. But we can look back and we have the whole New Testament. We have the whole Word of God, as Zane said, dude. We have got that beautiful treasure is the Word of God. How many of y'all have the Holy Spirit living in you? You have the author living in you. Well, I don't understand. I don't... Take what you do understand and apply that. Rena, you ever have any kids? I'm just joking. <laughs> you ever, did you have to explain everything in full detail to all the kids? Or, or were there some details you left out and you just told them the pertinent details? Anything. Mom, how do we do well, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but in other words, you didn't give them a dissertation, a, a six-week course on the whole thing. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that for your kids, how many of you just give them enough information to get the job done? Because if you give them too many details, they're going to take too many liberties and get it all wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, but you said, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Give them the details. God, you know what details God gives you when you read his word? The details he wants you to apply. That's what he gives you. And there's so many people that are so, oh, I don't understand this. The seven-headed beast and the 25-horned, you know. And it's like, so that's stopping you from making disciples? Yes. It's like, no. In fact, he told Moses, he said, Moses, dude, the things you understand, do. The secret things belong to the Lord. And if, I, if and when you need to understand them, I'll let you do it. Do what you know. Karen, you know what we always say? When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Make disciples. Follow him. What does he want me to do now? And do it. Don't get hung up on all the other stuff. These guys, now it's okay to study. It's okay to look. It's okay to dig in. But it's not okay to be obsessed with what you don't know. If it keeps you from doing what you do know. And so it says, man, they were told that their message was not for themselves, but for you. So they kept writing it. Aren't you glad Isaiah gave us those beautiful chapters on the suffering servant that tells us he was beat beyond recognition for us to heal us? Man, and, and now the good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. 
That's both today and back then. It was all inspired by the Holy Spirit. He said, it is all so wonderful. Look at this. And, and challenge you to cross-reference this with other verses in Scripture. He said, it is also wonderful that even the angels, <coughs> look at this, <coughs> even the angels are eagerly, they're eagerly, it's not like they're walking by and saying, oh, dude, look at that. No, they're like, they're just kind of obsessed watching your salvation happen. From you, your lifestyle is teaching them about salvation. Isn't that awesome? And, and because they're never going to have salvation because they didn't sin. And the ones that did followed Satan and they're not going to be redeemed. Redemption is for us. What a beautiful thing. God loved us so much that he gave us his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And the angels can't even get their mind around. The guys who have been with God forever, the ones who are going to lead the choir in the book of Revelation, when, when we're all up there singing, hallelujah, praise God. Man, those people can't get their mind, those angels can't get their mind around what you have. So next time you're like, oh man, my life stinks. <laughs> it's all this dirty, you know. Man, filter it through God's providence and look what you do have. Dude, you got salvation. You got stuff that the prophets wanted to understand. You got stuff the angels are like just blown away like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, what are you going to do with that? You know? Lucinda and Tom, oh my goodness, what are they going to do with this situation here? I can't wait to see how they, they handle it through salvation. Man, Filter it through that. You know what a filter does? A filter takes out what? The stuff you don't want. And it leaves the stuff you do want. You filter it through the providence of God. So guess what it fills out? It, it filters out all the lies. All the things that are going on in your life that you think have the wrong explanation for. And what it does is it filters it through. And what comes out of that filter is now what you know God wants in your life right now. That's his providence. And is God big enough to take control of that? Is God, is God smart enough to be in charge of that? Is he powerful enough to handle that? Yeah, because he's omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, man. He can handle it all. So, man, the angels are even eagerly waiting. So filter through his providence, but filter life through. There's another filter. It's not just one filter, you know? you got to filter out everything that's wrong so that you end up with something pure. And Peter's trying to tell these people persecuted way beyond how we're being persecuted at this point. He's trying to show them how to have a pure life by filtering all this out. So he's, next he says, filter life through your future. In other words, you're going to be like Christ. How many of you ever heard this big theological word called predestination? predestination, and I could preach whole message, and I could get you guys arguing, and, well, you're Armenian, you're Calvinist, or whatever, but none of us would walk out knowing any more about Christ in all of this. We'd have, and I'm not saying doctrine's not important, don't get me, but I want to make it simple so you can apply it. And I think if you listen to my preaching, you know where I'm at on all of this. I think God's sovereignty is what is the most comforting thing in my life. But this word predestination what is a destination? Let me ask you. Hey, you're, you're a highly educated elementary school teacher. Kindergarten? What class do you do? What do you teach? ESE. ESE. Okay, so what is a destination? Okay, a location or, or a, final, a final location, a final place. Okay, and so if it's a predestination, when was that destination determined? Prior to. Prior to. How many of you experience predestination with your Waze app? on a daily basis. <laughs> Anybody use Waze? 
Anybody use Google Maps? Anybody use like any of those things? How many of y'all cannot find your way around anywhere without having your little GPS with you, right? I can't get home. But construction changes so much. I was thinking of that because, dude, how many of y'all remember those big atlases? You remember the Atlaser or Gazette? You know, and, and how, many, how many husband-wife fights were there over that map? <laughs> you, you're old enough to remember those, right? You know, your wife's over there in that seat with the big atlas looking there and pointing it. And you're driving and it's like, get your eyes on the road. You're like, no, I don't think we're there, you know. But a predestination is what you put in. What do you put in ways? What do you put in ways when you go to use it? Your destination, where you want to end up. What do you want to do? I want a burger joint in Indian town. Oh, yeah. You know, find that on the Gazette or go, but put it in ways. Boom, they'll give you 20 of them. All right. And then you pick which one you want. So a predestination is a destination you picked ahead of time. Does anybody know? Now, we know we're going to end up in heaven, but according to Scripture, Romans 8, 28 and 8, 29, our predestination is who we're going to end up like. He says, we know that all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. And he tells us in the next verse what our purpose is and what we're going to... We're, all things are, are good because they're making us end up like who? Like Christ. You know what your predestination is? Christ. If you are saved, you're going to end up like Christ. How many of you are looking at the person across from you and you're like, dang, they got a long way to go? You know? How many of you looked in the mirror this morning and said, dang, I got a long way to go? You know, you're going to end up like Christ, period. So why not enjoy that? Enjoy the journey. Hey, how many of y'all ended up at Driftwood Church at the beach this morning? Please raise your hand. So I know you're like, yes. You ended up here this morning. How many of y'all started in exactly the same place? Exactly the same place. I didn't say, no, you didn't. No, you, you guys were sitting in exactly the same seat. You were sitting exactly in the, like everything you did was exactly like, no, we all started, even you guys, twins from the same household, were started at a different place in a different way. But guess what? We, through our journey, we all ended up here, Right? And that's what he's saying. Each of us have a different journey. And we're all being taken in that journey through this process of sanctification after we're saved to the place where we look like Christ. Now, what happens if someone in the car is like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. And then you pull over and like, well, I don't want to go to the bathroom there. How about? And that someone's like, hey, I want a, I want a drink. I, I'm thirsty. I want a Yoo-Hoo. I want a V8. Or I want, oh, uh, you know, what if, every, what if you stopped every couple of minutes? Are you, does that happen to you guys? No. <laughs> what, what would happen? What would happen if you're like, oh, hey, you know what? Let's go to the beach first and then we'll... Yeah. There's all kinds of detours, right? But again, all that's doing is slowing us down to getting where we truly want to be. And when we truly want to be like Christ, how many of y'all want some earthly delays how many are like, well, dang, I want to stay more like the devil for a little while, <laughs> you know? No, I, I want to stay like fallen man who's living a worthless life. I want to stay like that for a while. Be like Christ. I got all the time and world to do that. I, I don't, you know, I'm not ready to get there yet. I'm, no, when you realize what it's like to follow Christ, when you realize what it's going to be like in heaven, man, when you realize what it's going to be like to be like Christ, dude, you want to get there, don't you? How many of you ever taken off in the car and you wanted to get somewhere really quick? Man, how many of you got dads that when you take road trips, there's no bathroom breaks? Dude, 
<laughs> no bad, dude, you're bringing a Gatorade bottle in that back seat. No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I wasn't me, but I'd stop every two hours because AAA says to, and plus, I like to explore. But yeah, my kids are like, no, we're getting there. No, that's what our Christian life is supposed to be. Look at what he says. Filter your life through your future. You're going to be like Christ. Look at this. So prepare your minds. You know what this means? In fact, in the King James, if you have it, it says, gird your minds. How many of y'all girded your minds today? Gird means to like get your dress up so you can run. That when it says gird your loins in the armor of God, that's what gird means. Gather it together so you can be more productive. And here he says, gird your mind. So he says, collect your thoughts. Get your mind in order, guys, so that you, you're thinking right. Because what happens when you're thinking wrong? What do your actions do? The wrong thing. He said, get your mind together, gird your mind, collect your thoughts to get them on the right track. You know, gird them for, what's the next word? Gird, prepare your minds for what? So you can do something with it. You know, the Roman soldier, they wore dresses, but in order to fight, they had to take the corners and tuck them up underneath their belt so they could fight. And they put their sash on and they had everything. But if they never used it, hey, what, hap- what do you call somebody who has a surfboard, surf shorts, they have baggies, they have, man, they have everything that surfers have, but they never surf. What's that P word we, that they were called? Posers, yeah. Yeah. That's if you like them. If you like them, yes. Yeah. <laughs> there's other words. There's other, and there's other tactics to, but look what he says, man. Prepare your mind for what? To do something with it. Do something. Man, and you may not be able to do what you used to be able to do physically, but you know what? In the spiritual world, the longer you do it, the better you get at it, the stronger you get at it. He says, man, prepare your minds for action and exercise. What? Hey, self-control, that's a fruit of what? Yeah, self-control is not like, okay, okay, I'm going to get this together. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. No, it's a fruit of the Spirit. You only have it by following Him. And then look what he says. Put, what's the next word? All. What does all mean? Yeah, dude. If, if, if you were going to get all your teeth pulled, what would your mouth look like? I don't even know why I thought of that. If you got all your teeth pulled, what would your mouth look like? Like that. You wouldn't even have a snaggle tooth or nothing. Dude, it's all. That's all or nothing. <laughs> Hope that leaves a spiritual picture in your mind. The Holy Spirit just gave it to me, man. But look, put all your what? Hope. Hope is future faith. <laughs> We have present faith right now. Future faith is hope. And and what is the only thing that God ever brags on humans or rewards humans for? Faith. Because the only way we can show him we love him, by obedience in faith. And so he says, put all of your future faith. I'm going to do this now. It looks so stupid, but I'm doing it anyways because you said to God, I'm going to do it. And he said, attaboy, girl." That's your hope. Put all of your hope, not some of it, just in case this really is stupid. Because faith does make you look stupid sometimes, right? My friend Noah, dude, he said faith makes you look really stupid until it starts to rain, right? Y'all get that? Noah, boat, rain, yes. 120 years building that boat. And everybody's like, what the heck? (laughs) And groundwater? I said, no, man, I don't understand. But God told me to build a boat. And then God told them to tell everybody, get on the boat. And they're like, you're an idiot, Noah. And then when it started raining, yeah, dude. I bet the dinosaurs wish they'd have got on. I'm just, 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just a thought. <laughs> put all your hope in the gracious salvation. I mean, he's not saying, put all your hope in the torture chamber of God. Is that what he says? He says, gracious salvation. How would you describe gracious? Anyone, tell me, what would you say gracious is? Brian, over on this end, what would you say gracious is? How would you say? Yeah, does it sound like a pleasant thing or a horrible thing? Yeah, do you like people who are gracious or torturous? Gracious. So he's saying put all your hope in this gracious thing, in grace. That's what it is, in the grace that you, you received a salvation that is continuing through sanctification that's going to end and continue for eternity in glorification where you become like Christ. How many of y'all really believe you're going you're to be like Christ? It's hard to believe, isn't it? But you are. So why wouldn't you take every opportunity? Are you looking forward to being like Christ? Gary, what are you looking forward to in being like Christ, man? No more sin. You and I can't ever get in trouble again, brother. Man, brother. Even though we don't want to, we can't do it anymore. Yeah. But if we can get a little bit closer to that now, wouldn't that be good? Yeah. Isn't that what's been happening through sanctification? But in glorification, we're going to be exactly like him. So he says, put all, not just a little bit, but all. Your hope in gracious salvation that God has given you through grace and the sanctification process, knowing that it's going to end in glorification, you'll be like him forever. He said, man, that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Put all your hope in that. So when you got things fil getting filtered through, man, life, oh, this horrible situation or all oh, this good situation or all oh, this mundane situation, wish life was more exciting, you know, whatever. It put it through his providence, realizing this is exactly where he's got you walking right now. Number two, this is part of the process of making me look more like Christ, which is what I can't wait to look like one day. How many of y'all can't wait to be like Christ? Yeah, and get rid of this flesh? I can't wait. And so he says, take every opportunity you have now by filtering it through your future, which is where you're going to look like him. He said, next, filter life through your new nature. Act like your father. <laughs> how many of y'all How many of y'all can recognize kids because of their parents or grandparents or anything along those lines? I always hear, you know, it was always awesome with my kids. They'd, they'd look at my daughter, and my two, my two daughters and my son, they oh, they look just like their mom. Oh, they look just like their dad. And you know what? They were both right, but the, undeniable, they look like both of us. You ever notice that about kids? They kind of got a little bit, depending on how you look at them and what age. And How many of you know that the apple don't fall far from the tree? That kids act just like you? Hey, you know what? Y'all young folks right here, scariest thing about growing up is you're going to be just like your parents. Guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed. And you're like, oh, no, I'm not. Oh, I'm, I'm, taking, I'm taking the things I don't like about them, and I'm not going to do them. You know what one day you're going to do? You're going to have kids. You're going to be in a situation, and all of a sudden you're going to go, dang, I was my mom. <laughs> I was my dad. And that's not all things are bad in that. But how many of y'all know things about your parents that you just don't really want to mimic one day? Emily, you don't have to tell us which one, mom or dad, you know. Emma, Emma, are, are, uh, is that scary that you're going to be like your parents one day? Yeah. But you are. You know what's the scariest thing about having kids? Dude, they're going to be just like you. <laughs> it's, it's, there it is, man. So there's genes, right? 
the genes not only look like, but act like. I always tell young people, man, when you're fixing to get married, you're like, oh, I love them so much. And, and they're, they're just so different from the rest of their family. And, and yeah, they have a couple of crazy siblings or a couple of crazy... Man, you know what? You're going to one day have a kid that's just like that crazy sibling because the apple don't far, fall, fall far from the tree. How many of y'all know when you get married, you marry the whole family? Yeah, whether you want to or not. I'm just, and I'm not saying it's good, bad, and I'm just saying, just know it. Genes are genes. And if you're born again, whose genes do you have? God's. When you were born the first time, you had yours. You had Adam's genes. That's what it says in Genesis 5, that Adam and Eve had offspring that were in their own image. When prior, we were born in God's image. So now we got to... Once you get born again, now you have God's genes. But you don't lose Adam's genes until you get to heaven. But check this out. Filter life through your new nature. Your new nature is, is now you have God's genes. God is creative. God is loving. Be like your heavenly father. Look at this. So you must live as God's obedient children. How many of y'all have ever said something in this fashion to your kids Maybe not directly, but this is what you meant. You are embarrassing me. <laughs> Stop acting that way. Uh, again, you may not have said it that way. You didn't want to hurt their self-esteem. You didn't want to make it about you. But in honesty, it really was about you. You were embarrassed because of the way your kids were representing you. Anybody? Come on, you pious parents. Yeah. How many of y'all know you embarrassed your parents? How about let's go that way? Okay, there. We'll admit that one. All right. Yeah. And you know you represent them. But he says, so you must live as God's obedient children. But look, why? Why do you get ticked off when your kids are doing embarrassing things? Is it really because you're embarrassed that you don't have perfect kids and you don't realize everybody knows you don't have perfect kids? You know, I mean, why is it that you get upset when they do the wrong things? Why? Colleen, why are you upset? Oh, but they've been taught. But, but when you do the wrong thing, what's going to come to you? The wrong consequences. How many of y'all, you know, I don't know, my mom, she used to always tell me this, and she told me a lot of things, and now I'm older, I kind of realize why, because some of us are a little harder-headed than others, but it, she, she'd say, oh, the mother Indian, this was before this was not politically correct or whatever, but she said, the mother Indian would, would tell the little, the little, what is the little baby Indian called? Squaw, yeah, no, the papoose, yeah, in the papoose, you know, but it's a little older. Oh, tell the little Indian not to touch the log in the fire because it's going to burn him. And she'd tell him and tell him and tell him. And if he didn't listen, and one day he touched it, and guess what happened? He got burned. Now, I mean, y'all had to learn that way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, but what did my parents not want me to do? Get burned. And that's your heavenly father. Man, he said, don't slip back. Hey, what do you take from the word slip? <laughs> what do you think of, Emily, when you, say, when you hear slip? Yeah, and it's, not a, it's, and it's not instantaneous. Yeah, you slip, but, and, and you keep sliding until you stop or whatever, but it's not like, oh, I'm just going to be a, a... You slide back. It's a process. He said, don't slide back into your what? Your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. That's sowing according to the flesh, right? He said, you didn't know any better back then. And um, don't slip back in your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. So why should you know better? 
He says, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. Oh, man, I thought, uh, there's another translation in that when he talks about not slipping back into, I don't know, does anybody have a, in their Bible another translation of verse uh, uh, 14? Uh, yeah, go ahead, Raina. Yeah, former ignorance, and then there's one of, of inheriting, you know, the worthless lifestyle of your, your ancestors. Maybe that's coming up. But that's what he doesn't want us to slip back into. Slip back into the flesh. Don't slip back into that. He goes on. He says, now you must be holy in everything you do. Holy. What is holy? Bob, what would you say holy is, dude? Purity, like him. Is there anything, hey, how many of y'all want, you're like, oh, you know what? Most of the dirt is out of that water. I think I'm good. You got the chunks out. There's some bacteria in there, but I, I think I'm good. It's, it's holy enough. How many of y'all want pure water? Dude, I'll never forget one time, man, we had been working forever trying to get this uh, water system down in Haiti. Of, we'd buy bottled water and we'd buy it and we'd buy it from a certain guy. And I remember sitting in the airport at MFI, JJ, one time on a trip, and I'm told, oh yeah, well we buy this brand here. And he's like, yeah, well we took all the bottled water home with us and tested it, and that one did have the least amount of fecal material in it. <laughs> what? He said, it had the least amount of fecal material in it. And if you don't know what fecal material is, go look that up when you get home. But chances are, you, how much fecal material do you want in your water? Does anybody want, are you okay with just a little bit? No, dude. When he found that out, I'm like, okay, so now we have to purify the purified water because it's got the least amount of fecal material. And that's what he's saying. Be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. How much fecal material do you want? And that's what God's saying in your life. You're like, oh, well, we can do this, but then I'll do this. And, and, but... How much of it do you really want? God says, man, any of it's having a bad effect on you. I want you to be holy like I'm holy because that's your predestination. That's where you're going to be. Then he goes on and says, and we're almost done here. He says, filter life through God's word. And it's not just to know the word, but it's to know the God of the word. Again, the Bible's not about you. The Bible is about him. And the more you know about him, the more you what him? The more you love him and the more you love him, the more he causes you to love others. And if you love him and love others, is, is that a bad life for you? No, it's a pretty awesome life. As opposed to the world where they say, oh, love me. And then if I have extra, I'll love you. And then we'll try to love God together. No, that's not the process. Love God, cause you to love others. And the results come back to you. So, man, we filter life through God's word in one little teeny verse in this. And if the purpose is to know the God of the word, look at what he says. For what says? Scripture. Scripture. That's our final authority. Not the consensus of CNN, Fox, and every other, you know, well, I got all sides of it. No, that's not it. Scripture. What does Scripture say? That's what we need to know. That's our final authority. And he said, you must be holy because I am holy. Hey, do you think God has a different definition of holy than this world? Do you think he's got a different definition of holy than you? I do. I think he's got a different definition of holy than what I have. That's why I'm in scripture, so he can show me what holy is. He is holy. And every time I learn something new about him, and I know how much he loves me, and he wants me to be holy, I know another way to be holy and be more like him. I'm not going to be holy, holy, holy. I'm not going to be holy until I get to heaven. 
He's holy now and he's trying to teach me, but it's through scripture. So, man, filter it through his providence, man. Filter it through your future. Filter it. Um, what was the one we just had a minute ago? <laughs> hang on, hang on. Uh, yeah, filter it through your new nature that you have, okay? And, and then now he's telling us filter it through the word of God. And whatever lasts, whatever comes out, it's more pure than the stuff that wasn't filtered there. Now, last but not least, I think here we are. Oh, no, we got two more real super quick here. Filter life through your purpose, and you are an ambassador. So understand the only reason he didn't take you to heaven when you got saved was because he's got a job for you here, and it's to represent him. An ambassador, if I'm an ambassador in Haiti, my job is not to go to Haiti and try to get every Haitian to be an American, is it? My goal as an ambassador is not to try, if I'm to France, not to get every French person to be an American. That's a recruiter. What my job is as an ambassador is to represent the kingdom that I represent, right? I represent America, and if people want to defect and leave that kingdom and come be a part of the one I belong to, can I, can I, can I institute somebody? Can I, can I make somebody an American citizen? Do I have that authority, that ability? Hey, do I have the authority or ability to make somebody a kingdom citizen from the kingdom of God? Rena, can I save somebody? No. But as an ambassador, what I do is I represent my kingdom in everything. And then if they want to defect, if someone wanted to defect from Haiti to America, who do I have to take them to? The consulate. And then they have to go, to cust- they have to go, they have to go through a process to become an American. If somebody wants to be a child of the king, all right, and I'm an ambassador, I represent my kingdom. And when they come and say, how do I join your kingdom, who do I have to take them to? Because God doesn't have any grandchildren, does he? They have to go to God. And they have to be it. That takes a lot of pressure off you. You just simply represent him as an ambassador. Look at this. And remember. Why does he say remember? What do we have to remember? What, what are things that, what does it mean when he says remember? What does that signify to you, Ann? It, just that. <laughs> yeah. Re, Keep in mind. Yeah, because if you have to remember, you're prone to forget. forget. <laughs> All right? Especially the older we get. You guys just wait, man. He said, remember, because you're going to forget the world's sucking this out of you. Remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites, okay? In other words, he's treating everybody the same, okay? He's holding everybody to the same standard. And it says he will judge or reward you according to what you do. Paul writes about that in Corinthians, about this judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. And again, it's not for our sins because our sins are already taken care of by the blood of Christ. What the judgment seat is, this word judge, you know what it means, Karen? It means to try to find something good. It's an inspection where when you go to the Bema seat, God's looking at your life trying to pull out good things. And as we learned last week, the only good thing is the things we did with the motivation of love for him. So he's looking for good things. You ever do that with your little class you got? Yeah, you're trying. Yeah, it takes a big magnifying glass sometimes, man. But think about what God's going to do with you. He's looking for the good things. Oh, well, they did this, they did this, but oh, the wrong motivation. That's not good. Oh, they did this, they, oh, and they did it because they love me. Yes! And all of a sudden, he's magnifying it like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Look what he did for me. Look what he did for me. And it's not to lift you up, it's to lift him up because the desire to do it came from him, right? 
So remember your heavenly father whom you pray, who has, the one you pray to has no favorites. He is looking for good things. He's going to judge or reward. He's going to look for the good things according to what you do. And we know it's according to what we've done based on our love for him. We learned that from a couple of weeks ago. So he says, you must live in reverent fear of him during this time here as a what? Yeah, this is not our home. Quit trying to make it your home. This is not our home. Hey, Ryan, where do you work again? You work at uh, landscaping, right? All right, so what do you do at home that you wouldn't do at work? Everything else, yeah. What happens if, if all of a sudden you, you, you pulled up with your vehicle and you had a big lazy boy recliner and, and you, you said, hey, guys, make room in this in the back of the trailer with all the landscape tools and that's your lazy boy and you had a refrigerator with a generator would the boss be cool with that? No, because it's going to hinder your work. Wait to do home things when you get to home. And we're going to be home soon. We're at work right now for Christ. Quit trying to make this your home. So he says, live in reverent fear. That means God's an expert. What is God, hey, Nikki, what is God the expert at? Everything. Is there anything he's not an expert at? You mean he knows more about top-notch marine than you do? And you answer the phones? You know what I'd be doing? I'd say, can I put you on hold? Here's God. <laughs> You wish you could do that, right? But yeah, he, he knows everything about it. He's the expert. That's what it means. Hey, God, what should we do? And wait for the expert to tell you. And do it. You live in reverent fear of him during this little bit of teeny tiny time that you are on this earth. Dude, I believe off this dude's feet, man, I just pulled 100 grains of sand. You guys want to count them? You want to count these? Anybody? You guys want to count... Count 100 grains of sand right here. You've heard this illustration. I use it all the time. But if each one of these grains of sand represented one year of life, that's 100 years. And look how tiny that is. Nikki, how much? You can barely even count it and see it. 100 years would be a long life, right? But 100 years is nothing compared to eternity. And in eternity is nothing like all the rest of the grains of sand in this universe, man. <laughs> Purified water. <laughs> yeah, works. Okay. So he says, you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as a temporary resident. Look at this last part. I, man, we're almost done here. I promise. This is it. <laughs> Filter life through your worth. Filter your life through your worth. Hey, who is worth the most to God? All right, everybody do this. Give me a thumb. Give me your thumb, and everybody just practice and say, me. All right, you ready? One, two, three, me. One more time. One, two, three, me. Who is worth the most to God? Me. Everybody do, do that. You are. You know you're just as valuable to God as Moses. You're all worth the same because you were saved the same way. You have a hard time saying that? Because we see our worth in so many other things, so many accomplishments and performances and so many things. But you know what makes, hey, what would make this chair, how much is this chair worth? Anybody know? Nothing cause right now, but if I were to give this to you, all right, what if, what if I had an auction for it? All right, yeah, it's not a dollar, 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 oh, dollar, all right, it's worth a dollar, right? So a chair's worth what? Well, somebody's willing to pay for it, right? 
But what if now Chris says, dude, I'll give you two bucks for that chair. I could use it for something else. And then Nate's like, I'll give you five bucks for that chair. And some kind of bidding war. And people are like, and this dude right here is like, oh, I'm going to give you $200 for this chair. His wife kill him, but I'm just saying. But So what determines the worth? Hey, Tom, what determines the worth of something? What's your salesman, right? What somebody's willing to pay for it. That determines the worth. Remember that. So if someone was willing to pay the ultimate price, then you would be worth the ultimate worth, right? And so keep that in mind. Worth is what somebody's willing to pay for something. Dude, my whole life, my dad collected baseball cards. And my brother, I mean, he's got sets from 50s, 60s, whatever. And when he died, my brother got to inherit all this. And then my brother had them and sat on them and sat on them. I'm talking Mickey Mantle rookie cards, all that stuff. And then my nephew got them, and my nephew's like, do you want these things? These things are worth nothing. They're worth absolutely nothing. So the ones from the 50s and 60s, but stuff in the 80s on, dude, you can buy whole sets for 20 bucks. They're worth nothing. Why are they now worth nothing? Because no one wants to pay anything for them. Worth is determined by what someone pays for something. But look at these last verses. For you know. All right, what does the word know mean? What's the, what, what's the opposite of, of no? Don't know. <laughs> All right, what about speculate? Hope. Sometimes think it is and sometimes think it isn't. Is that no? No means you know, right? It's a given fact. You know that God paid a ransom to save you. Oh, here's the word I was looking for, Arena. I knew it was in here, that God saved you from, what did he save you from? The empty life you inherited from your ancestors. I almost want to preach on that next week, just that, so you guys can get out of here at quarter after 11, but <laughs> sorry about that, but Holy Spirit is, we're not done yet. If you have to leave, go, man, the Holy Spirit's just not done. I would be in trouble with God if I stopped right now. <laughs> Look at this. You know God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. Let's say you were, you, you were a Rockefeller, dude. Let's say you were one of the richest people in the entire, a Rothschild. You were one of the richest people in the world and you inherited everything this world had to offer. This verse would apply to you. He saved you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors because how much of it are you going to take with you? How much are you going to take to heaven? How much are you going to take to hell? You're not going to take any of it either places. And if you've got a ticket to heaven, man, that's worth everything. You know God paid. God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life of trying to find fulfillment in this world. You inherit that from your ancestors. I'm not saying we're worthless here. We do. But I'm just saying this is not it. He said, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. In fact, what is the asphalt of heaven? Gold. The asphalt of heaven. Dude, I got this gold ring I treasure because my wife bought it for me before we got married. And, and I, I would never, man, I love it. It's just a little bit of gold. And it's actually probably worth something. I think gold's pretty expensive now, isn't it? But it's the asphalt of heaven. He said, man, it was not paid with, your salvation was not bought with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. What was your salvation bought with, Camille? John, tell her what you, John, I know, that's why I picked on you. I saw you spacing out there. John, tell her what her salvation, just a little lesson for the rest of you. No, just, John, what was her? Salvation paid for with his blood, man. God. <laughs> sorry, Camille. <laughs> Not sorry. <laughs> All right. 
My wife's going to do the same thing to me later today. <laughs> She's always telling me I don't listen to her and a bunch of other things. <laughs> I don't, I'm, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> All right. It was the precious blood of Christ. Is there anything more precious than the blood of Christ? Ryan, what did he pay for you with? The precious blood of Christ. Say that, man. The precious blood of Christ. And this is a rough, tough fisherman. This dude, like, grabbed fish out of nets, had slime on him and greased his hair. And just, I mean, he's, he was a rough, tough, about the most blue-collar guy you could ever imagine. Peter. And Peter here says, oh, this is precious. Do you think he ever said that about a fish? Dude, look at this one. Brian, you catch a big keeper's look. Look at this precious baby. <laughs> it's like, no. Peter, to use the word precious, it must have been what? Precious. For a big, I mean, it's like this big burly dude grabbing my little granddaughter, Alana. Oh, she's precious. Only certain things qualify to be precious if you don't think everything's precious. And he said, man, the precious blood of Christ, the sinless spotless lamb of God. That's what you were. Sabrina, what did God pay for you with? The precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. And so what are you worth? That. Based on, no, it doesn't matter whatever happened, whatever's gonna happen. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. What matters is what the truth, the word of God has said, and you are as valuable as the price that was paid for you. And Could there ever have been a more valuable price paid for you? No. Man. So every one of you, what is, who's, who's, the, most, who's the most valuable person to God? Me. It was precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb. Look at this. God chose him as your ransom. And the him is him. God would rather die than live without you. He became your ransom. He chose him as your ransom long before the world began. How many of y'all ever met somebody like, oh, dude, they're pretty cool. And then you get to hang out with them. And you're like, yeah, they're not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The longer you get to know somebody, the more you're like, yeah, I don't know. God knows everything about you from before you were born. How many of y'all would take back something you bought thinking because you had buyer's remorse? He did not have buyer's remorse with you. He knew everything from the beginning. And he even knows the end. He knows at the end you're going to be exactly like who? Christ. That's why he's trying to get you to be like him now. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, from the time Christ rose to the time he comes again, we're in the end of these last days. We hope he has been revealed for your sake. God revealed because he chose you and he could not have paid more for you, which makes you all pretty darn valuable. Hey, Jordan, who's the most valuable person to God? Yeah. I think we want, we want to say, oh, that person, that person, but it's me, every one of us. Understand that. And when you're going through stuff in life, realize you're that valuable to him. So closing this up, live a pure life in this polluted world, but do it by filtering your life through God's providence we have what everybody's been waiting for, and he has you here now for such a time as this. What a cool time to be alive, isn't it? The world doesn't think so, but believers do. By filtering your life through your future, you're one day going to be looking like Christ, and it's going to be awesome, so why not start doing it now? By filtering your life through your new nature, acting like your father. 
Not your old father, your new father. Act like your heavenly father. You have those genes. By filtering life through God's word, letting that be the filter you pour everything through to find out whether it's truth or a lie. By filtering life through your purpose, realizing, dude, he's got you here for one reason. It's to make disciples, to show people what a kingdom person looks like. So that when they want to become a kingdom child, you can introduce them to God and he'll take it from there. And by filtering your life through your worth, because no one's worth more than you, if you're a believer. you got to believe that. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful that you gave this message to me. I can't, it was pretty awesome how I've been studying this. And even it was just like, it just ran on and ran on this passage of scripture. Didn't know where to start, when to end. And, and at one point last week, you just nailed it and hammered it down and said, these are the points. And Father, I pray that these points are as special to everyone here as you made them to me. Father, um, this world tells us we're worthless, but we know because of the price that was paid for us, we are worth more than anything in this world. And we're valuable to you. Father, help us find our self-esteem in you. Father, I pray that we would filter everything we're going through through these filters. And even though what's being dumped on us looks like some dirty, nasty pond water, we would see the end product that it's gonna be pure water because they've gone through these filters. Show each person what that looks like. And if there's someone here that's never truly given their life to Christ, Father, give them a desire they can't refuse to surrender everything they know about themselves right now through faith to everything they know about themselves about you father it's through faith that we do this so father help us filter life through these filters peter gave us and i pray for these things in jesus name amen